You're listening to the ACB Advocacy Update. Great. Well, welcome everybody back to another episode of ACB Advocacy Update. Um, just here to kind of update you guys on what, what's going on here at ACB and what's going on in the advocacy world. Um, we are really fortunate this week to be joined by a guest. Um, I never know what to call you guys, guest speakers, guest, <laughs> I don't know, guest podcaster. <laughs> um, but we are um, joined today by Diane Bergeron. Uh, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Sure. Hi, I'm Diane Bergeron. I'm from Ottawa, Ontario, and I work with the Canadian National Institute for the Blind, CNIB. I'm their Vice President of Engagement and International Affairs. Awesome, thanks. I might make a couple Canada jokes. I hope that's okay. That's perfectly fine. <laughs> um, great. So, yeah, I wanted to invite Diane on because, God, what was it, over a month ago now or so? Um, November 29th. Good memory. Um, we um, were really fortunate, we being ACB, to help host um, the World Blind Unions is a semi-annual conference for the uh, North American region and the Caribbean region. Um, so I was just fortunate just to be able to kind of sit in the room and hear what was going on and hear all the great things that um, the North American region of WBU is doing, what's going on. And we want you guys as our members of ACB just to kind of know what's going on and what, what we're doing here in the national office. So I thought it would be a great opportunity for Diane to share a little bit more about who WBU is and what the North American Caribbean region is doing itself. And yeah, just kind of get a little feel of what I had the opportunity to hear. I want you guys at large to get to hear what I was able to hear. And then I won't go into it too much in depth um, yet because we'll We'll get to it later, but Dan also shared at the conference some cool work she was doing in Rwanda, so I wanted her to talk about that as well. But first, let's just start from the top. What is the World Blind Union, Dan? Sure. So the, the World Blind Union is really a, uh, a member organization that represents blind and partially sighted people around the world. Um, the country is the um, membership. So any organizations within that country get together and they have country membership. So WBU represents uh, just over 190 countries around the world. And they're really the voice of uh, people who are blind or partially sighted to look at international treaties, um, collaborative work going on around the world, and just making sure that that there is no blind person left behind in the process of regulation, legislation, policy, and all the different programs and services that are out there. That's um, great. We do have, they have any connection to the United Nations? Do they work in tandem? We do. We do. So WBU has um, status with the United Nations. They're very, um, they work very closely with the World Intellectual Property Organization mm -hmm. and several other agencies uh, connected to the United Nations as well. 
Which as a plug, we've talked on our show before about uh, the World Intellectual Property Organization, or WIPO. We talked about the Marrakesh Treaty um, that was signed um, into U.S. law um, just, God, two months ago, a little more than that maybe. Um, yeah, that's, again, you have a great memory. <laughs> um, yeah, so kind of just a great example of what WIPO's done um, at an international level to um, benefit the blind community. So yeah, just yeah, I, re I remember a lot of stuff when it comes to the Marrakesh Treaty in the United States, because when uh, Canada was the 20th country to ratify the treaty, oh, great. and uh, which then pushed it over into uh, becoming law. And I had had for a couple of years, I had had a bet going on with a couple of my American counterparts <laughs> uh, to see which one would ratify first. And when, not, when we ratified first, I was very excited. I've uh, received the rum and the wine that I was promised. Oh, I love it. The other thing I wanted to, to say about WBU is um, we have six regions that we work with. Okay. Um, so North America Caribbean region is the one that we fall into, obviously. Mm -hmm. Then there's uh, Latin America, um, Asia, Asia Pacific, Europe, and Africa. And so each of those regions have their own um, uh, regional committees. And then they get together twice a year uh, with the other table officers. Uh, the organization is governed by the six presidents uh, from each region. And then there is a set of table officers, which is the president, first vice president, second vice president, treasurer, Secretary General and past president, and that makes up the governing structure of the WBU as a whole. And then each region has their own um, committee that has their governance structure. So, gotcha. And sorry if I didn't hear this. How often does the entire uh, WB as a WBU as a whole meet up? You know, throughout the the international community, is it? Every year, every couple of years? Every four years. Every so four years, okay. They have a quadrennial. The next one will be in Madrid in 2020, and that's where they elect the table officers um, for the next four years. And okay. each region elects their own president. Gotcha. Okay. Wow, Madrid, that sounds really exciting. I'm sure you're looking forward to that. Yeah. The last one was in Florida. Okay. Madrid yeah. sounds a little bit cooler to me than yeah. Florida. Sorry to our Florida chapter. But. <laughs> yeah, it, I think it's going to be quite interesting. It's it's a huge event, and uh, it it goes every like I said every four years. So whichever organization, this next one's being put on by Once in in Spain, mm -hmm. um, whichever organization takes on the responsibility of holding the event. There's usually a couple of years of logistics that go into the process. So okay, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what kind of thing, uh, things have the um, North American Caribbean region done over the last few years? What kind of projects or issues you guys have talked about? What's going on in our, our region? So our region is a little bit different than the other regions. The other regions tend to have an annual uh, meeting or a quadrennial uh, meeting. They don't meet as regularly as we do. We meet every, every um, six months or so. Okay. And we go around to the different organizations that make up the North American Caribbean region. Uh, the next one is going to be in 
the end of May in Trinidad Tobago. We're very excited that they have just come on as members. And That's so, right. I wanted to yeah. hear myself to go to Trinidad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's going to be very exciting. Um, it's the first time that they've been able to host a meeting there because they've just, like I said, their membership was just approved. So it's really exciting okay. to have them on board. Um, at the last meeting, we really talked uh, a lot about, we, get, we give each other updates on, on where we're at. There is certain representatives within the, um, the committee that are responsible for um, different areas. So for example, um, I'm the representative for Canada for the uh, ratification of Marrakesh, which is completed. Now we deal with the implementation process. Mm -hmm the um, Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities. I'm responsible to provide updates on that um, from our region. And, um, uh, you know, whether we were very excited, I got to talk a little bit about it at the meeting, but right after we had our meeting, actually, the, um, the Canadian government uh, ratified the optional protocol for the CRPD. Oh, that's great. So, yeah, so, you know, we have, projects like that. We're, I'm also responsible for the SDGs for our country. And so each, each uh, representative goes forward um, and talks about where they're at, uh, where the government is at on those things. We have presentations from different people who happen to be at the meeting. We were lucky enough in this last meeting to have Fred Schroeder, the president of the World Blind Union, was at the meeting and provided an update from his perspective on WB as a whole but also some of the projects he's working on, um, specifically uh, silent vehicles. Um, mm -hmm. He works at the, uh, for the committee at the UN level on regulations around silent vehicles. So he provided an update on that and where that's going. Mm -hmm. And then we had presentations from um, uh, Karen uh, from the uh, Library of Congress. That's right, yeah. She provided an update from the from IFLA, which is the uh, International Federation of Library Association. We'll <laughs> go with that, that sounds right. <laughs> um, we have presentations from the Accessible Book Consortium mm -hmm. um, and around uh, UEB and, and Braille and so on. And we were really lucky to have uh, Mary Fernandez, who was there representing youth. So we do have a very active youth engagement leadership committee for the World Blind Union. We have representatives from around the world. Um, I am um, lucky enough to be the chair of that committee or the, the mentor for it. And uh, Mary is the one of two representatives from North America. Mm -hmm. And she did a presentation on what the youth are up to and brought forward to the committee a proposal to have a newly formed regional youth committee. That's um, right. Yeah, I think I just yeah. saw her post about that on Facebook the other day. Yeah. Applicants, so. so that's exciting. Um, it was approved at that meeting and they will, uh, Mary and Dana Schnell, who is our Canadian rep, they are now out looking for applications to form this regional committee and they'll be looking at potentially um, holding summits or, or, you know, connecting blind and partially sighted youth from the region um, to make sure that everybody's aware of what's happening at the international level. So that's very exciting. Do you know how long um, the application process is open? How long they'll be looking? Oh, you know, I can't remember off the top of my head. I know that they put the um, call out uh, just before Christmas. 
Okay. So I haven't heard from them as to how many people have responded as of yet. I know that gotcha. they've got a couple of applications. Great. Um, but I would really encourage any of your listeners of the podcast that are within the, the youthful age range um, <laughs> to apply because I think it's really important that we have a cross geographic perspective um, and, you know, gender and, you know, the whole bit. So I, I really think it's going to be an exciting group. Yeah, I, I was really excited about it. And for the first time in a long time, I, I felt like I was um, almost too old for something because I'll be 31 this year. And I think they said yeah. it was through 30. And I said, Oh, man. <laughs> um, but I love it. Yeah. It's a great idea. Yeah, it's you're all old now, Claire. That's it. I know. I'm Age is struck. <laughs> aging out of it now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so that's pretty much what we talk about at the meetings. Um, and, uh, and we talk about, you know, moving forward, some of the projects that we might be able to do together. We also do a round table typically at the end of the meetings, which is what I really find very valuable because each organization talks about what they're currently working on. Mm-hmm. And you find some synergies and, and areas that t- for collaboration and partnership as just sitting around the table and um, having the opportunity to, to just say, oh, you know, I was thinking about that. And, you know, how are you doing that? And really the collaboration starts there. So it's, it's yeah. great, you know, to connect with others and get ideas. And, and the other piece to it is ensuring that as we're going through talking about what our organizations are doing, sometimes we figure out that we're duplicating work. Mm-hmm. And the duplication turns into a partnership as partnership, opposed to this. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, it's, it's, um, it's a great opportunity for us to connect and, um, and just, you know, renew those, those, uh, networks and, and collaborations. Yeah. I thought it was really cool to see the different members come from different places. Um, being North America, there obviously seemed to be a, a, a dominance of people from the United States and Canada. Um, and in past, has Mexico played a big role or are they in a separate Latin American group or? Yeah, so Mexico actually is a part of uh, ULAC, which is the, okay. the um, Latin America. Gotcha. And so any country that, with the exception of Spain, because they're um, in as a part of the Europe- European Union. Yeah. Um, the, if, if there, there's a country that's in the Caribbean or with Mexico that is Spanish speaking, they go to the, uh, their membership goes to Latin America. Okay. Barbados, Antigua, Trinidad, English speaking countries fit within our region. Have you guys had, I know we, I met the, the gentleman from Trinidad. Um, do we tend to have a lot of participation from countries like Barbados, et cetera? Are they active or? Um, they are active to a certain point. Uh, one of the things that I think that we forget, given the, the nature of the region, especially with North America, we are, a, we are, we are two you know, fairly wealthy countries. Yes, yeah. And we forget that the Caribbean is really dealing with some economic s- struggles. That's kind of what I wondered, yeah. Yeah, and, and it's a shame because, of course, we go to, you know, we'll go to a place, you know, we can go to Barbados. We find ourselves at an all-inclusive resort sitting on a beach. And so yeah. we see that, it's, you know, this great place and it's fun and it's, there's a lot of money going through from tourism what we don't see is that that money that goes through in tourism is going to very specific places and it's not trickling down to people who are blind in those countries. 
That makes sense. And so they often live in poverty. They don't have the programs and services that we have. So they don't often have the funds to come. We do as a group um, provide funding to mm -hmm. have members from the Caribbean region come. We've had people from Haiti come, uh, the executive for the, the Caribbean Council of the Blind, um, some of their executive have attended meetings and we've helped support that financially as our region uh, to make sure that, that they have an opportunity to participate. That's great. Yeah, it must be really fascinating to learn about the needs of the blind community in our own region, but like you say, who have such um, different um, needs and lack of resources really to, to hear mm -hmm. how we can assist them in those kinds of countries. Because I do think we do take in, um, you know, we uh, take for granted, I should say, what, what we have access to. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, great. Well, the other thing I would love to hear more about, and it, um, you know, it's not con uh, connected to WBU, at least to my understanding, but you had talked about a project that you guys were doing with, was it through CNIB that you guys are doing the project in uh, Rwanda? Is that? Yeah. yeah. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? I, as soon as I heard this, I thought, I want to hop on a plane and go to Africa. <laughs> I thought it was so cool what you guys are doing. Yeah. So it was, it was really interesting. So what happened you know, as, um, as our organization is in, uh, you know, in what I call a have country, um, mm -hmm. we get requests from various organizations around the world for assistance and funding or various projects. And of course, you know, there is still limited funds. Um, and yeah. so we have to go through a process. And this particular project came to us from one of our staff members who had had a connection and um, we received a request from a school in Musante, Rwanda. Mm -hmm. um, the school is called the Blessing School for the Visually Impaired. And the school was started uh, by a gentleman named John Bosco. His daughter, uh, named Blessing, uh, is, is blind. And in Africa, less than 10% of blind children in Africa get formal education. Oh, wow. So he wanted his daughter to be educated. And so he started up the Blessing School for the Visually Impaired and um, was looking for help uh, to get funding and, and various items. And so he had connected up with one of our staff members in the Atlantic region of Canada. And this came to my attention. Um, Charles Mossop, who is the president of the North American Caribbean region, is um, mm -hmm. our other senior volunteer from CNIB. Okay. Um, he and I sat down. We went through the process of determining what, um, how we could help this school. It's, it's not just a matter of sending money um, or items. It's a matter of determining whether the school um, follows certain philosophies, making sure there's yeah. gender equity and making sure that... Um, religious perspectives, you know, that, that a blind child would not be refused education based yeah. on their religious beliefs and so on. And so we went through the process of ensuring that, you know, those things, those policies were in place, that anything we provided was not going to be taken uh, by government and so on. Um, we don't typically provide money, we provide services or items. So um, one of the things that we did was we leveraged one of our grant uh, one of our grants that we have in our program, mm -hmm. and we provided a, a Braille embosser to oh, the school. Great. Yeah. They didn't have one. And so one of the things that they struggled with was providing their exams and so on in Braille. So now they have the opportunity to, um, 
to create document, you know, their exams in Braille and provide them to their students, which is really kind of exciting and so yeah. on. Um, in the process of going through this, one of the things that was happening at the international level was 10 organizations had got together and provided research and development funding to create a low cost Braille, uh, Braille display, and which mm. is the Orbit Reader 20. Okay. Uh, which is now out and, and functioning. And I saw a need to get some of these units to the school. I thought, you know, paper is very expensive and to ship paper to the school, it takes up a lot of, um, it's very heavy, it's hard to get for them, they don't have places to store it and so on. So I thought if we could get some of these units there, then the kids could read more books yeah. on this display. Yeah. Um, but of course we didn't at the time have, you know, we, we don't provide money, we provide the items and we didn't have the funds at the time. So um, my friend and I, I'm, I'm a runner, I'm an athlete, and my friend and I had decided we wanted to do something crazy. <laughs> and so we signed up for, uh, two years ago, we signed up for the, um, the Dopey Challenge at Disney in Florida. Love it. Doing the Disney run. Okay. So the Disney, the Dopey Challenge is that, so the, the, the Disney run is four days of runs you can do. On the Thursday, they have a 5K, Friday's 10K, Saturday's a half marathon, which is 21K. Mm -hmm. so I, don't, I don't know the miles. <laughs> and yeah. then uh, Sunday is a full marathon, which is 42K. That I do know is 26 miles is a full, 13 miles is a half. Yes. And I guess a 10 is eight miles and a five is three miles or something like that. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the Dopey Challenge is all, all of them. Wow. So you literally do all of them. You, you run every day and you do all the races. And if wow. you do all of the races, then you've completed the Dopey Challenge. That's impressive. So my friend and I decided to do this and we were going to do it regardless. But I said, you know, if we're going to do something this stupid. <laughs> that <somebody Dopey>. <laughs> So we decided to raise money to purchase Orbit readers for the school in Rwanda. I love that. Um, we managed to raise $5,000. Okay. Uh, which allowed us to get 10 units. Really 10. I'm just yeah. pausing because as a, a note taker user myself, I use a, a Braille note and those themselves are worth over $5,000. So that's great to hear that the Orbit are yeah. so low cost. Comp yeah. It was, it was really exciting. But the interesting thing was the reader wasn't ready yet and we weren't sure whether we could get it there. And there was all sorts of issues. And then um, an organization from the UK came forward and said, well, we're, we've purchased these units. We're happy to give the school 10 of our units. And then I could use that money that I raised for something else. So we actually managed to take $10,000 worth of, um, items including 10 orbit readers I and, a few, and a few perkins brailers and some games and all sorts of stuff and yeah. we took it to rwanda so that's how the the pro that piece got started um my colleague and i flew to rwanda uh in november mm -hmm. and uh which was i mean fascinating for us we, I, sure. I had been to uganda to a previous event but this was the first time in rwanda and um, it was quite the adventure. We had uh, one suitcase go missing, um, but it eventually showed up. <laughs> um, 
we had to take a, we had to, we stayed in Kigali the first night and then we had to go to Musanse, which is two hours north. Okay. And uh, the school had hired for us a, a vehicle and driver. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had, we weren't even out of Kigali yet when the car broke down and people had to push <laughs> it to get it started again. Oh my gosh. Um, we, in fact, several times while we were in that vehicle, one time we were almost to Kigali or almost to Musanse and the engine started smoking. So we had to sit on the side of the road and wait for the engine to cool down. And Oh my gosh. So it was a little bit of, a, of an adventure. Sounds like it. Yeah. Um, culturally, it's so different from what we're used to. You know, you can't, every hotel has a security at the front, just like the yeah. airport. Yeah. So every time you go in and out, there's, you know, security, there's people running mirrors underneath your vehicle to make sure there's no bombs under it. Mm, um, yeah. There's monkeys playing on the side of the road. It's quite interesting. Wow. Uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. Wow. Um, can, this, you tell, can you tell the story about the one that really got me that I was like, oh, um, you had told a story at the, at the WBU uh, meeting about the the father of the child slash the the, the head mm-hmm. of the school he was so surprised about your abilities as a blind woman and yeah. in our perspective not really high skill <laughs> necessary well yeah so one of the days we were only there for two days and um, I was sitting in the office I had all these orbit readers and bags and cables and stuff and I was literally doing what you know, sort of that um, work worker bee line type thing that you would do. So I was taking a, a yep. machine, sort of one thing, unwrapping it and putting it in a bag and, you know, putting these bags together for, for the teachers. Really something that is a, what I consider, you know, menial task. Yeah. And while I was doing this, the head of the school um, was talking to one of the administrators and they were, they were looking at me and then they were talking to each other and they were looking back at me. And then he came over and he said, um, he said, Diane, I'm sorry, I have to ask you, how much can you see? And I said, yeah, I don't see anything. And he said, then how are you doing that? And I said, doing what? Because I couldn't figure out what miraculous thing I was doing that he couldn't figure out. And he said, putting these things together. And I explained to him I was doing it by feel. Mm -hmm. And it hit me like it just struck me like a lightning bolt that these, these teachers and this, this guy, they're there because they believe in what they're doing. They're not doing it for the money. I'm telling you that right now, right? They're there because they believe in educating children who are blind and they have a passion for it. And this is the hopes and dreams of those kids future. And even their expectations of these kids were so low that what I was doing was, you know, just this exceptional thing. And and what struck me right after that thought hit me, the next thought for me was, by the grace of God, go away that we're here because yeah. the only thing separating us from them is geography. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, yeah. you know, it's just a totally different mindset. And not to say by any means that we're where we should be in the world of inclusion and um, inequality in our society we still have a lot of work to do but But comparison yeah in comparison to what these kids are facing i mean they had two children there in grade four that are 18 years old because they've never had the ability to be educated before oh wow um it was just to me it was it was humbling it was shocking um 
you know, I, I was in a hotel room that, you know, they consider a four star hotel room, the mm. shower, one shower door was missing. My toilet was leaking. The phone oh. didn't work. Yeah. You know, this kind of stuff. And I was, you know, feeling, you know, the internet only worked if you stood in one section one. in the lobby and it was like the speed of dial up. Yeah. Um, and I was just like, oh my God, this is a, like, I wouldn't accept this. Yeah. In, you know, Canada or the United States. And the, then it kind of hit me that the room that I was complaining about, um, that I had on my own with, you know, it was, it was a nice clean room was actually bigger than the room that six girls shared at the school, oh, wow. three bunk beds. Yeah. You know, and it was, and I thought, well, how spoiled am I? Yeah. Right. That I'm complaining that my toilet leaks. Yeah. When I don't even know if they have running water. Yeah. Yeah. I just remember when you shared that story and when you said, you know, their expectations were that low. I just remember that hitting me in the gut, like, yeah, that's crazy that yeah. it's just because what they know and what they've seen and what they haven't seen and just that lack of, you know, fortune that, you know, they just don't have those kinds of things to not even think that people who are blind could do something like that. You know, that just makes me, you know, want to fight even harder for the blind community. Um, so yeah, well, I think for sure. And, and I think sometimes we, we get very frustrated and upset that, you know, our employment rate is low and that we don't, you know, our, we try to get a taxi with our guide dog and we get refused. And, and again, it's not that I, it's not that I think we shouldn't fight for those rights. I do think we should, but I don't think sometimes we realize how blessed we are. Yes. Yeah. We've sure. come a long way in the last couple of hundred years and, um, we really, you know, when you get into a situation like that and you're in that kind of a world, um, a few years ago, I went to Uganda um, to a conference, uh, the, um, the Africa Forum. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that struck me there was there was a group of people, and I'm not sure exactly where in Africa they were from, but they all sat together. They were always together. And they'd get up and they'd start to walk and they would make a train. There was like seven or eight of them and they'd make a train, one holding onto the person in front of them shoulder. And the person in the front had the cane and would lead the group because they only had one cane one among cane. the group. Wow. And I'm thinking, oh my God, like, uh, take my cane. It's 50 bucks. Like, yeah, seriously, you know? <laughs> take it, please. Yeah. Like, I'm, yeah, it's just, it's shocking. We don't, yeah. you know, we don't think about how hard they have it. and and. In, and I think that, you know, it, it, although we still need to fight, I think sometimes we should count our blessings for where we are and, and where, where we stand. We yeah, for sure. Wow. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. What's the name? Can you say the name of the school one more time? Is, is there a way? For, I know you said it's hard to just donate money, but is there any way people can support the school? Yeah, so the school is called the Blessing School for the Visually Impaired mm -hmm. and from Yusansei. I believe it's spelled M-U-S-A-N-Z-E, uh, I think, or S-E. Um, there, it's, um, I think you can, you can find them online. Okay. They are currently trying to raise money. They're renting a property right now and they're running out of space. Okay. Uh, they're up to 22 students. They've got another group that just started this year. I think they're up to 30 students now. 
Okay. Um, and every year they add a new grade and they bring in new students. Um, so they're running out of space and they're looking to purchase, they're trying to raise $30,000 American. Okay. To purchase a piece of property that they can own and then build their own school on. Okay. So if you go online and you can connect with the school, if somebody wants to donate themselves, they certainly can. Okay. Um, there is different uh, ways of doing that. Um, I don't recommend sending anything directly to the school, not because the school's an issue, but because often it doesn't arrive. Gotcha. That's good to know. Okay. Yeah. So if you want to provide some funding, um, I'm sure they can connect you up with an organization that can help provide the funding, and I'm sure they'd be very appreciative of it. Gotcha. Great. Well, thank you so much, and thank you for um, talking with us today. It's great to hear what's going on. You know, I'm here in my little DC bubble, so it's great to hear what's going on in Canada and the World Flying Union and in Africa and just everywhere. So thank you so much for um just taking you some time out of your day to come and talk to us. I appreciate it. Anytime. Great. Well, that was another episode, everybody, of um, ACB Advocacy Update. Please uh, stay tuned to hear our next couple episodes coming out. Um, we're excited to see what's going on here. As uh, you know, things unfold here in D.C. They're going kind of slow because of the shutdown, but things are happening. So stay tuned, and we are excited to have you guys with us next time. And remember, as we always say, keep advocating. You've been listening to the ACB Advocacy Update. For questions and comments, email advocacy at acb.org. Learn more about the American Council of the Blind by visiting us online at www.acb.org.